Right, we're back with the professional Robin van Veek, who was the artistic director of Cape Town City Ballet for 12 years. Wow, Robs. And you danced there for how many years? I started with Cape Town City Ballet, which was KPEV at the time, mm. in 1997. And I left at the end of 2019, so 23 years in total, with on and off cats Oh yeah, in the middle of that. Cats was in between all of this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> cool. As performers, our bodies are our temples and income generators. How have you overcome injuries, obstacles, and continued working to sustain yourself? Uh, the secret is good diet and warming up the instrument. Mm. Um, especially in cats, we always did a bar. Not everybody would come and do the warm-up. Mm. They'd all go to the singing warm-up. For why? But very few came to the actual ballet bar and a little bit of center, which I did every single day before each performance. Uh -huh. And I think that is very important. Maintaining a warmed up instrument before you go into a show that's so demanding physically. Mm. Um, yeah, and eating well. I mean, I think dancers, because especially girls, they're constantly watching their weight and so the diet is very uh, up and down and you've got to look after your instrument and keep it fit and keep it strong to, especially for longevity. And it gets harder as you get older. Yeah. When you're younger, you bounce back much faster. Mm. When I did Cats when I was 32 and a lot of the kids were 19, 20, 20. Are you not 32 now? No, not anymore. Oh. I'd I like to be 32 again. You look 32, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so and then at the end of each performance the cooling down is very important yeah uh, you can't a lot of kids would go partying and lots of alcohol and and you're doing roll downs yes you gotta, gotta <laughs> calm it all down yeah make sure you get to bed uh musical theater is much more demanding than classical ballet because ballet seasons are much shorter we would never dance more than 32 shows like nutcracker yeah and then you'd have a break. Whereas we did four months of nine shows a week of cats. And, you know, Monday would be your day off. And you'd just sleep in the hotel the whole day. Yeah. Tuesday, you're back on that stage rehearsing something because somebody's injured. Yeah. It was hated. People were injured. Yeah. Because you'd have to now rehearse the whole show. Instead of resting. Instead of rest. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever have any serious injuries that you had to overcome? I carry them with me still. My lower back, mm. uh, just from over-rehearsing certain things, and my Achilles, because of the other second turns on the same leg, 27 every night. Jeez. I did 495 shows of cats. So my Achilles on my left leg is basically a, a violin string. So often I have to say, right, I can't do this step on this leg. I can do it on this side. Did you never change the uh, to the other side for the other second turn? No, I can't turn to the left. <laughs> <laughs> and you also, only had four years strokes. <laughs> the the thing you must understand with cats is the stage is raked. Oh yes. So it leans towards the audience, and it's not a flat surface. Yeah. So you're having to start turning above the tiger's head. Mm. So if anybody's ever seen cats, there's a huge tiger's head on the floor. And my goal was never to pass the tiger's nose. You you are traveling forward because yeah. it's yeah. natural. Yeah, you're on a rake. You're on a rake. So 
you have to adjust your weight back mm. to accommodate those turns so you don't travel towards the nose of the tiger. And if I was ever sick, once I had flu for four days and I couldn't do it, we were in uh, Shanghai and my friend Marnie went in and he landed up literally on the edge of the stage because on the first takeoff, he jumped a meter forward. And it's hard for, for performers who are swings to go in. Yeah. You know, they don't have the constant performance rehearsal. and rehearsal. Yeah. To jump into a role like Mr. Mistopheles is very hard. Did you cover or swing anything else? No, thank goodness. So you didn't have to pick up the alto harmony or anything like that? You just stayed the mute cat? Yeah, stayed the mute cat. Lots of faces, but no singing. <laughs> Robin, that's my dream. <laughs> Put me in a musical where I don't have to sing. <laughs> I'm very jealous. <laughs> but yeah, that's amazing. Mm. Um, okay, okay. In this ever-changing and ever-more demanding industry, do you think there is benefit in diversifying your skill set? You don't like learning to sing. Absolutely. I mean, I only danced. Yeah. At one point, I tried learning tap. Mm. And it's so against what a ballet dancer's legs the do. The opposite of it's ballet. Completely. I mean... You have to have loose ankles. You know. And every time we lift our feet off the floor, it's like... And tap dancers never use their arms. They're kind of... It's almost like um, Irish dancing. They mm. are arms, but... Yeah, I tried that for six months, and I stopped. I tried ballroom for a bit mm. and hated that. My partner was too short. But um, once you experience a musical, mm. and you're bitten by that completely different bug you realize how much artists need to be mm. diverse in everything, yeah. to sing, to dance, and to do all the stuff that happens on the side of the stage, mm. stage managing props. Now when I put on my own ballets, that is such an important part. Costuming, yeah. lighting a ballet. Mm. Lighting can change a ballet. Completely. Completely uh. set a mood um, dramatically, you know, and you've got to learn that. Mm. And often as a choreographer or director, you're thrown into this. We have no training as autistic directors. You were once a dancer, and the next minute you're the boss. And you know nothing about... Yeah, put that light that on. You, you were there, and now you're on this side. Yeah. And you, you learn on the floor, on the ground, running. Yeah. Okay, let's try and fly that in. No, that cloth's too close to that cloth. They're hooking. Right, I've got to separate them. And, yeah. you know... Um, Charles Peterson was my production manager for many years. He's just retired a couple of years ago, and Charles and I were very good friends. I'd never create a ballet without Charles. I'd go, Charles, I want to do Thumbelina. Is this possible? I need an air balloon. He goes, of course, let's do this. But it's got to land in a particular spot on the stage. And the basket of the air balloon takes up so much space in the fly gallery, mm. so you've got to be able to accommodate all the scenery changes around the air balloon. Yeah. So I always start with the set and then the music and then you go from there. Go from there. Interesting. So point of inception is a set for you. Yes. Always start with the set. What can the set look like or do? Yeah. And then work around that. That's very cool. How did you go about supporting yourself financially as a young up-and-coming creative? Um, Tell us how to do it. Oops. When I was at UCT, I was a barman at night at the Hussar Grill in Rondebosch. Mm -hmm. I did that twice a week. 
when I went to pack to ballet, I worked at Giovanni's as a waiter. Good. Well, that's horrible. Really? Yeah, you, you, so I stopped dancing at six o'clock and then dash from the state theater to mm. Sunnyside and put on your uniform and then you're there till like midnight. You know, people sit and just carry on drinking. And all you think, I'm going to be in class tomorrow. Yeah. But we earned such little salaries as dancers. My first paycheck was 3,000 rand. And that was to pay for rent and food and whatever else it involved. So it was very difficult. You had to find other yeah. means of surviving. Yeah. Also dressing in operas and mm. became a dresser. Okay. Got to meet all these famous opera singers at the State Theatre, which was wonderful. And that was nice because you were in the building. Yeah. So straight after class or rehearsal for the day, you'd go downstairs and dress some famous diva who was going on to sing the Traviata. Yeah. And that was an incredible experience. And then always work in the holiday. Always find some job, go and teach a class somewhere or... I started teaching at a very young age because I wanted to experience um, all aspects of ballet. I just didn't want to be a dancer. Yeah. I was teaching for studios in and around Pretoria or Cape Town yeah. quite early on. But you're constantly trying to make money. Yeah. Yeah. Hustling. Hustling. But yeah, so the teaching thing is also, that's always been alongside your performing. Yes. Okay. Very cool. Do you prefer teaching or performing? Um, I loved being on stage. Sure. Um, I won the Ballettermans Award three times in my 23 years. And the audience always said, you look like the happiest person on stage. You look like you're having the time of your life. <laughs> and I did. I loved being on stage. Yeah. And I loved it when Veronica would, Paper would create a new ballet on us because choreography being my passion mm. I would so want to be part of that and you know she'd, she'd ask for a lift and then she'd go right get out of the lift but don't bring her straight down and then I'd work out okay she go around my back between my legs I'm out on this side and she'd go yes do what Robin's doing that's what I want that's the best and everybody's like Robin could you show that again please and that was so so rewarding yeah creating a new ballet it was harder when a ballet was bought as a whole production. And yeah. And guests, producers would arrive with the Bible, which is the Benish notation of the ballet. Mm. So ballet is written in stave, like on musical uh, stave lines. And then they would teach the ballet from the nth degree where the eyelash went and the hand and the foot. And for me, it was amazing learning a new ballet. Yes. Yeah. There was no real creative process to it. You were yeah. just kind of regurgitating this work. Yeah. And the producer was good, but they'd never danced the role. So they didn't so get it. They were just kind of going, right, all of you stand here on this line and you're in arabesque and turn the page. Yeah. Okay, we're doing this. <laughs> and we're like, oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it's fulfilling to be able to do something that is like, you know, this repertoire that everyone wants to do, but the creative process is... I think that's where the magic is. And when you're performing and you're a part of creating it, it's yes. so much more fun. Like, it's exactly. so rewarding. You were part of that. Your yeah. sweat and tears are in that ballet. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, what is your advice to young creatives who are struggling with the pressure of diversification in their craft? Um, 
I find the youth of today only do what they need to. So they do the classes that are there mm. in their school. They don't go and look for more things that that they can improve as artists or as dancers or as actors and singers. I think you must constantly think out the box. Um, when they were rehearsing Spring Awakening at Lambda, there was a piece of paper on the wall that Sylvain had put up and it said, there is no box. And I just loved that. Because there shouldn't be a box. Yeah. So often we are, as dancers, I was always pigeonholed as the short, fast-moving guy. Mm. I was the bluebird. I was Mercutio. I was Hilarion. I was anything that beat moved yeah. fast, I got cast. So I never got to do Romeo. I never got to do Prince Siegfried in Swan Lake until I was much older. Mm. I don't think you must ever pigeonhole a performer. Yeah. So the same applies to working on their careers. Once you have finished training, you must continually be finding ways to make yourself a better artist. Yeah. And think out the box. You know, learn how to make a puppet. Learn how to put a costume together. Mm. Learn how to do makeup in a different way. Yeah. Learn how to do your hair in a different way. Yeah. And these are all things that are going to help you become a better artist. Mm. You know, how you present yourself at an audition, that's my worst. And they arrive and they just walk off the street and, you know, they're wearing jeans and a T-shirt. You've come to a dancing audition, you know. <laughs> it's the same when you go to the theater and everybody's in slops and shorts. They come off the beach and they're going to watch Swan Lake. No. Sorry, I'm old. No, but it's it's true. Um, no. I just have to sidebar this. So I did ballet with Robin for three years. And one day I decided to cut my hair into a bob. And I thought he was going to strangle me. <laughs> but I did get my hair into a bun. Yes. It's very important. What was discipline? Ballet's black and white and it needs a bun. Sometimes it had a few stragglers. but Sometimes it looked like a bullet back of your head. It's true. It's true. Um, I actually might cut my hair into a bob today, just in spirits of seeing you again. Right. Yes. Um, and I'll buy a donut straight afterwards so I can make a nice bun. Um, sorry, that's just a sidebar. I so, hope everybody understand what a donut is. A donut is... <laughs> a donut is this thing that you put your hair over to make like a really big bun. That's so it doesn't right. look like a little... Bullet. Bullet off the back of your head. Anyways, the discipline of ballet. Um, so you were saying that it's about going, there is no box. and There is no box. Not just doing what's required of you, but actually going the extra mile. And yes. yeah, for me, that sounds like curiosity, like the curiosity to keep learning, to keep pushing yourself to. And even when you're in a room and you're learning something, don't learn your part. Yes, you have to learn your part. Please learn your learn part. Learn the room. Yeah. So if there's a dance routine that involves 16 couples... Learn the room, learn the choreographic pattern of the group. Mm. So often I would do that. I'd be stuck at the back of the room and I'd be learning the waltz from Swan Lake, mm. but I'm watching where everybody's going. And then Elizabeth would say, uh, so-and-so's off. Who can go in? I went, I know everybody's place. And I would then jump in and dance any boy on the floor because I would learn the pattern. It also fascinated me choreographically. Yeah. how the pattern's moving and where it's changing and what the partnering skill is. and mm. But I think as young artists, we just go, right, I'm learning this. 
and that's what I'm learning. Mm. But you've got to break out of that and learn the room, learn the show. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important. That's very cool. Mm. That's amazing. Um, right. Sorry. Okay. Yes. And have you found a greater sense of stability in your personal life when you started making a name for yourself as a choreographer? Um, South Africa is very isolated from the rest of the world. So we sort of limp along hmm. as choreographers. We crave the work. It comes along in small pieces. But what I've done is I've set up things that are there through the year and they are sort of confirmed work that I'm going to be getting. And these, uh, like Peter Marisberg, the KZ in Midlands Youth Ballet, Wonder Ballet every year, along with a workshop. Hmm. Same with Vintuk, my friend Zandre now wants Capalia for August. Uh, Port Elizabeth won Cinderella. You're always only as good as your last production. So hmm. if that production looked like crap, no one's going to want to employ you again. Hmm. So you have to invest in what you're putting on. Yeah. Because you're only as good. And that applies to anything in life. Yeah. If you are in cats and you're a lazy artist, they're not going to employ you again. Yeah. That was the last thing they saw you do. And the register says, oh, she wasn't uh, sick, lots of sick, lots of injured. So, yeah. you know, in such a small country um, where everybody knows everybody yeah. in this industry, you've got to keep your head clean and above the water. Yeah. So you're not drowning within the sort of the laziness and take it easy attitude. Yeah. You're only as good as the last thing you did. Yeah. No one remembers anything before that. You can't write on your name. No. Yeah. No. You are an individual and you have to take care of yourself and what you produce. Yes, I'm responsible for a lot of children on the stage mm. or dancers, but you've got to make sure that your name is carried. It's like when I enter children in exams, I say, you're entering this exam under my name. Mm. So you're not going to get 49%. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And I'm not going to enter you if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Because my name is out there as the registered teacher. So, and that's so important that yeah. your name stays strong and clean all yeah. the time. There are times it gets tarnished. Yeah. We won't go into that. But yes, yeah, you just got to stay. Clean. But, but I think like good. your name can get tarnished, but as long as you carry on holding that name up strong and doing good work, you'll come out the end. Yes. Like it doesn't really matter as long as you keep. Yes. You can't just succumb to it and just go like, oh, well, I'm done. Now. And carry yourself with pride mm. and know that what you're giving is 100% yeah. the best that you can do. Yeah. That is so important. And in an industry like musical theatre, you're doing nine shows a week. It is so hard. That Sunday ma Sunday matinee at two o'clock, you know, the bile sitting in your throat, you're so exhausted. You're putting on this cat face for the 400th time and the glue's eaten into the side of your head and there's a niggling pain in your Achilles because you're now going to do another 27 millisecond times. You have to make sure that that performance, and kids would say, I'm going to do a rich mark today because I'm saving myself tonight because my parents are coming. What about those people that have paid for that matinee? Yeah. They don't want half-baked goods. They yeah. want to see 100% yeah. that you're going to give both performances. Yeah. 
Right. So this is a bit of a the playroom initiative side. So what advice do you have for young dancers wanting to make a name as choreographers or creators? Oh, it's it's difficult. You must start as soon as possible. Yeah. Because it is your first thing you do won't be, uh, you know, changing. Yeah. It won't leave a mark. It will be instantly forgotten. And then you're devastated. I don't want to do this because I'm so bad at it. But you've got to keep at it. You've got to find your niche in this choreographic world, what you do best. Mm-hmm. I remember my first ballet, I did Geisha. After I'd read Arthur Golden's book, Geisha, mm-hmm. there's a movie out on it. And I did it on Tracy Lee. Um, fill the stage, the gallery with... Um, cherry blossoms. I designed this costume that looked like a kimono, but they could move in it. I thought I was doing an amazing job. And my ballet was up against Sean Bovem's scaffolding and um, another ballet by uh, Chu Sang-do. And Sheila Chisholm wrote a review. And she said, when you watch a triple bill, it's like reading three short stories. You really enjoy one. The second one's okay, and then you completely hate the third one. I hated Robin's Geisha. And that was my first review on a full-length ballet. And I was devastated. Yeah, I was I like, imagine. Can't do this. I'm dreadful at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you pick yourself up, and you go to the next one, and you go to the next one, and you just keep going. Crit- critiques can be harsh, and you've got to look at, at it from where it's coming. And... Um, Deal with the issues that are printed there. Don't shy away from it. Yeah. Take a review and read it for what it's worth and apply it to your next ballet or your next performance. It's very important. They're always going to be there. Yeah. Critics nowadays are very kind. They are. They almost love everything. It worries me sometimes. Me too. Compared to old school. Oh, my goodness. They went for the jugular, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Eve Borland used to watch us dance. And she'd be sitting at the Artscape Opera House and you'd hear this cough. Yeah. And we all go, he's hating the ballet. If she's had time to cough, she's hating the ballet. And truth, Bob, the review would be horrific. Really? Because you'd hear her cough a couple of times. And then you knew. Yeah. (laughs) And you knew, oh my goodness, we're in trouble. Yeah. 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 Okay, last question. What are the biggest pitfalls, in your opinion, that face our current industry. Sorry, I'm just hating it. Um, talking from a ballet perspective, from a ballet company perspective, it's funding. Yeah. So you, you go overseas and you watch the Royal Ballet or the Paris Opera or New York City Ballet. The country or the city or the government is throwing a lot of money at the arts. Yeah. Which they should because the arts are the culture and their heritage of a country or a nation yeah. and what we produce and it keeps separates us from the animals. Yeah. You know, and we've got to keep trying to find funding to keep productions going. Mm-hmm. And musical theaters basically seen in two cities of this country. Yeah. Very seldom you see, thank goodness for Stephen Stead in Durban, you get to see yeah. musical theaters in Durban, but they kind of, 
you don't see them anywhere else. Yeah. And it's not like overseas, and it's all about funding. Money is what makes production happen. Mm. I mean, I put on ballets with an absolute shoestring, but you keep doing it because you love it. But we must never um, shy away from it. Mm. I think you must see it as a challenge, yeah. as something you must embrace and get on and do it. Because if we all went, okay, I have no money, I can't put a show on, there'd be nothing happening in the exactly. world. You have to embrace the situation, take the bull by the horns and make the most of a situation. Whether there's no money, whether there's no artists, you, there are always people who want to dance, sing or perform. Yeah. So you just keep at it. You keep slogging at it. Yeah. I always say that I'm going to die in a grand plié teaching ballet. Because, <laughs> you know, we have, we have no pension, we have no medical aid. Yeah. And we teach from day to day. If you get sick, you don't earn a living. Yeah. If you don't create ballets or musicals or shows... There's nothing for people to go to. Yeah. And it's important we keep pushing that boundary and keep wanting more shows, and especially for children. Yeah. And we must stop encouraging our children to leave this country. Yeah. I think we must stay here and invest in South Africa from an artistic and cultural perspective. We must stay here and carry on making it a great country, especially in theaters. Yeah. Don't go, my child's got talent, so let's go to the UK or America. Yeah. You know. And then they don't come back, or they do come back, and they try and resuscitate something. But it's very important to invest in this country. Yeah. I believe we've got all the talent in the world here. Yes, we do. All we have to do is get organized about it, and we should be, We could be amazing. I don't, I don't know why we aren't one of the cultural capitals of the world. I really do believe that. That's like, I'm so passionate about that. So I agree. Everyone should stay here and invest in our country. <laughs> Absolutely. We want yeah. the tourism and the culture and the artistic levels to be the same. Exactly. Or better. Or better. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Robin. I've loved chatting to you today. I've learned so much. And it's so cool to hear all your stories about cats and all the ballets you've done. So thank you for your time. Um, any last words? Thank you for inviting me. I've really enjoyed it. Awesome. And especially being part of your training at Lambton and getting to know you. And it's mm. been wonderful to be here today. And yes, let's invest in South Africa. I love it, Robs. Yeah. All right. Bye, guys.